0: This podcast was recorded in a Zoom meeting with the Hartford Street Zen Center Sangha. Please visit hszc.org for information about how to join our online programs or to make a contribution. We depend on the generosity of our members and supporters, especially during this challenging time. Thank you. Nobody knows
1: the trouble I see. Glory, hallelujah. And like uh, many songs of that kind, I think it uh, expresses a universal truth. And namely, um, we uh, can't know the depths of each other's sorrow and difficulty. Uh, except to the extent that we can identify with our own. Uh, Somebody said, uh, if we could uh, know the depths of our respective sorrows, we'd uh, treat each other much better. And so uh, nowadays, our, our circumstances are such that a lot of people are, are having some difficulty.
0: Uh,
1: my, uh, my brother is a uh, Roman Catholic pastor here in San Francisco. And uh, I think every day for him, the fact of the uh, closure of the churches is uh, quite painful and he is very much uh, longing for the day where that that closure can be lifted. That's just one example. The current uh, issue of the New Yorker magazine uh, Right anyway the uh, April 13 issue has some marvelous vignettes contributed by various writers uh, talking about their situation I, I highly recommend that reading the uh, the fact of uh, physical separation or social distancing has unfortunately uh, ties in to our our misknowledge about our actual relationship to one another. So now, not only do we have that um, misapprehension that we are separate, in fact, isolated, beings, but we have a physical demonstration of that. And this is um, unfortunate. So, unfortunately, although we have practice of the Buddha way, which is a re-education on a very fundamental level, and which will uh, over time teach us to correct that misknowledge. And one um, approach to that way of practice is to notice when the assumption of separateness has come up in the mind which requires some attention, but that's okay. That's kind of what we do. And when that mental phenomenon is arising, to notice it and let it dissipate. This is one way to begin to back away from the habit of assuming separateness. some teacher pointed out long ago, that, um, you know, there's these two kinds of um, obscurations in in our mind and in our experience. There's the obscuration of uh, the afflictions, which generally just means various manifestations of greed, hatred, and confusion. And then there's the the obstruction of knowledge, which is uh, whatever prevents us from accurate knowledge of things as they are. And one, uh, one Acharya pointed out that actually the afflictions of the, um, the so-called taints, the klesha, those are those are rooted in the affliction of misknowledge. And in, in our practice, the uh, Buddha Dharma in general, in its, uh, I would say, its developed form is aimed squarely at the, the affliction of misknowledge and as that begins to dissolve, the sway that the afflictions of greed, hate and delusion have over us is lessened. This uh, demonstrates what uh, maybe uh, what Dogen called the virtue of the way of Buddha Dharma and he said um, how it works is uh, uh, people who have that inclination hear that someone is practicing the Buddha way and then the next step is People go and find that person who is practicing the Buddha way. And then over time, people start practicing together with that person who is practicing the Buddha way. In the way that that person manifests the practice. This is the virtue of the Buddha Dharma and all of you who are, so to speak, here today are demonstrating that. For us, the practice of Zazen is the kind of the the essence of that process. The other day, I was thinking that uh, in Zazen, we have this, uh, we have what we call practice verification, or shusho, a term that Dogen uses quite a lot. And it struck me that practice and verification are two sides of one breath. They are that intimate. Their their intimacy led Suzuki Roshi to say, you know, uh, if you are. Uh, sitting, trying to attain enlightenment, I'm afraid you are wasting your time on your cushion. So this is a uh, another way of stating that the intimacy of practice verification, breath after breath. Uh, speaking of breath, I wanted to uh, mention this uh, practice uh, that's quite well known in um, in uh, certain uh, yogas. Yoga's so-called the uh, unexcelled yoga tantra and many of the the, uh, yogic practices uh, are established by this kind of breathing that's called the pot shaped i don't know if people have have heard of that by the way i'm I'm sorry for my um, poor quality of the equipment i have here but it's very high latency so uh, I look like I'm, I'm moving in you know molasses. <laughs> I can't really get around that, so I, I apologize. Anyway, the pot shaped graph is, is quite simple. And it was introduced to me many, many years ago by actually by a, a Zen person. Um, and one way to approach it is once we're settled in our our sitting posture. Um, take take a nice deep breath and let it out. And then uh, take a, a very full breath, not, not straining, but a, a nice full breath. And when we, usually when we hold our breath, we, we block our, our trachea. So we you take a breath and then you kind of close your throat and sort of let the rest of your body go. So this doesn't work in quite that way though. So in this way uh, you inhale and you basically keep inhaling. So you maintain the body in its inhalation posture. So it means the the uh, diaphragm is fully expanded, the chest is fully expanded, and you maintain that Place of inhalation for, for a few seconds, and as you do so, uh, you as she said, you put a little strength in your hara. Okay, you know the hara is about a hand's width below the belly button, and there are a group of muscles at the base of the abdomen. So
0: uh,
1: as you have this 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 uh, big inhalation, you put a little strength in those muscles at the base of the abdomen, and then slowly let the air out, maintaining uh, that light strength in the bottom of the abdomen. And uh, it's, it's good to do this maybe just once or possibly twice because uh, more than that, it can actually stir the energy uh, unnecessarily. So that's a good way to um, enter our sitting practice uh, as long as we don't make too, too big a deal out of it. And then another thing I wanted to mention is uh, I have a, a, a daily practice that I actually don't wind up doing every day. I'm, I'm embarrassed to report. Anyway, I try to do it every day. And this is something any, any of us can do. And under our circumstances, I would recommend uh, adopting some simple additional practices like this. Um, I, have a, I have a little uh, bowl tiny little glass bowl that uh, uh, a student gave to me. And I fill it with uh, pure water and I place it on my altar and uh, light candle. I uh, offer incense and uh, I say the incense gatha, which maybe some of you know. Anybody know the incense gatha? No. Oh, I see one nod. Number of shaking heads here. Oh, this is very sad. <laughs> well, um, I can say what it is, but um, uh, and I see maybe we're recording. So uh, if you don't don't get it right the first time, then maybe you can listen to the recording. It's it's very short. It uh, goes uh, precept incense. Samadhi incense, nirvana incense. This offering pervades the Dharma realm like light, like the forms of clouds. Now I offer to inexhaustible Buddhas, Bodhisattvas, and Arhats to increase their Dharma joy. Know that offering incense opens nirvana. So I say the incense gatha. I also, this is a little weird. not necessarily standard practice, but I, uh, as, while I'm holding the incense stick, I make a little offering gesture to the photographs of my parents, and uh, to uh, uh, my, my long ago teacher Kaldor Rinpoche, and to uh, the woman who was kind of kind of my stepmom after my parents died, and also to His Holiness the Dalai Lama before offering the stick. Then I pick up the little incense bowl, holding it with these fingers, uh, pass it three, three little circles in the incense smoke, raise it above my eyes and say, as I make this offering, I vow with all the Buddhas and Bodhisattvas, I'm not about to join all Buddhas and Bodhisattvas leading every living being to complete liberation. And then place the bowl on my altar. And then the only uh, little detail there is, uh, having made that offering, it's it's good to uh, pour out that water uh, by sunset. Why that is, I don't know, but something I've taken up. Um, It's also possible to kind of uh, bind up one's day in a nice, way that feels quite nice by using many of these little verses to accompany ordinary things we do during the day. Um, uh, The one that I just mentioned where I offer the uh, bowl of water, I just made that one up and it's perfectly okay to Um, invent these verses or gathas as they're called in Sanskrit. Um, And if you want an inexhaustible source of them, there's a section of the Avatanska Sutra that is full of these uh, little verses to accompany uh, washing the face or waking up in the morning or brushing your teeth and so on and so forth. And it's, it's a nice way to kind of string a, a little thread of, of more conscious practice uh, through our day. This can be quite helpful especially in circumstances where we can't physically spend time with each other So in this in this condition of physical isolation uh, I, I would suggest that it's a kind of a rare opportunity uh, for us to to enact uh, non-separation in our practice, in our sitting practice, and as I say, being attentive to when the assumption of separation Arises in the mind and notice it and let it disperse. Because if nothing else, uh, Shakyamuni Buddha's uh, uh, profound insight into reality it tells us that we are not separate. And that, that is a, a fundamental factor in uh, the kind of uh, ignorance that gives rise to a life of suffering. Well, uh, maybe that's enough for today. Um, I was uh, um, maybe going to to talk a little bit about that famous Zen story. Uh, uh, The the story, every day is a good day. Maybe, uh, you know, let that percolate for a little longer and maybe do that next time. But uh, meanwhile, you can uh, take that phrase, this declaration by a famous Zen master and uh, uh, turn, it, turn it about and uh, see if you can um, uh, uh, connect with the way that it is true. because it is most definitely true and it is very important the way that it's true. It's also quite simple. So, And then um, maybe the next time we're together or you know, anytime, even now, if you have something you'd like to share on, on that point or any point, please. Uh, please do so and our, our engineer will un, unmute you. I don't know if we, are we raising hands or anything? I'm not sure how we're
0: proceeding. Yeah, we can um, go to the bottom of the participant panel on the bottom of your screen. And there's a place to raise your hand there. Uh-huh. And if, if you are not technically inclined, you may wave your hand, raise your hand the old fashioned way and we'll try and recognize everyone. Yeah,
1: there's a little uh, menu item that says participants. Yes. And if you bring up that mini window, uh, you have a, 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 an option on the bottom to raise hand, so that will draw the attention of the engineer. Who is uh, is it? Uh, is Cato the engineer today, or is Steven? He is. Anybody like to ask a question or make a comment? ah chuck and larry could we unmute chuck and larry
2: please good morning good morning oh good i'm audible yeah. yeah you know when you uh when you uh open with the uh the spiritual uh it reminded me of of something um because i thought oh he's gonna he's gonna talk about the glory hallelujah no but uh, <laughs> about Oh yeah, so so you know, being at home, I, I have this fun life now. Where where two days of the week I'm I am uh, essential and go to work, and then the other days of the week I have to stay home, uh, and so I've had uh, time to to go through uh, oh, about forty years of, of journals, uh, which are mostly tedious, but in uh, in two thousand four, uh, you and I and uh, another I think Alex Jacobs were on our way to. Uh, to uh, City Center for the 100th anniversary of uh, Suzuki Roshi's birth. And I had, had written wow. it down because uh, on, on the way to the car, I was trying to work out something tedious about the duality of you know brain and consciousness and uh, some sort of, and I was trying to explain something I had read about the, the anatomy of it. And you said, but it seems to me he's saying the head bones connected to the neck bone, mm-hmm. the neck. Neck connected to the shoulder bone. The shoulder bone connected to the arm bone. So well, maybe he's saying that. And, and you said, do you come next? And I said, no, I don't know what comes next. <laughs> and you said, now hear the word of the Lord.
1: <laughs> oh, I vaguely remember that.
2: <laughs> I that, was, uh, that was, I think, one of my first... Uh, uh, exposures in that tradition to, uh, to every day is a good day. Uh-huh,
1: uh, thank you, thank you very thank
2: much. Thank you.
1: <laughs> Boy, those were the days. <laughs> uh John San has a hand up. Hi, yeah um Miosan uh, so I was thinking about when um, when you were uh, when when you were with Blanche when she was uh, taking the mountain seat. Um, mm-hmm. I remember you had a specific hand mudra for your question. Um, but I don't remember your question exactly. Do you? Uh, I don't even remember the mudra. The mudra was basically like this. It was kind of in gasho on front and back like this, something oh. like that. Huh. Um, no, you don't. I, I, most, most questions of that sort don't, live very long, I've noticed. So I, I can't really say what my question was. I'm sorry. Do you recall? boy, well, I just remember her case was every day is a good day. Ah. Every day is a good day to work for peace.
2: Uh-huh. Yeah. Of
1: course, the, um, the, I guess the most the challenging face of that question uh, comes in the midst of what we are strongly inclined to call a bad day. And of course, <laughs> those happen too. Stephen has a hand.
0: Thank you, Mio. I um, <clears throat> Thought, have thought about this um, before and was really glad that you brought it up. And one of the other translations that I've seen is um, try to spend every day meaningfully. Um, and that kind of um, uh, really resonates with me, especially during the last few weeks. Because, um, um, you know, I, I think I'm generally a, a fairly happy guy. And I try to um, to live in delight because I think people do a lot of suffering. and you know, the Buddha said 10,000 joys and 10,000 sorrows. And so I try to balance on the other side. And then every once in a while, <laughs> on day 35 of being in my apartment, for instance, uh, I realize that um, that uh, that's not real on that particular day or in this particular moment. Um, and it's, it doesn't feel like a good day. Um, but the other, inter- the other translation of that, you know, uh, uh, try to spend every day meaningfully sort of um, helps me to find some balance in that. Uh, to live the day meaningfully might mean um, to make a phone call to the oldest person I know who's living alone to just do a reach, you know, a reach or to try to um, sit an extra period of zazen or to try to engage in, in some community Zoom thing. Um, and so <laughs> it's um, it helps me get away from, you know, my mind is inclined to black and white thinking. So it's either a good day or a bad day. Um, and... and uh, to have it be meaningful or wholehearted um, gives me, I think, what feels to me like a little, um, some movement option about, you know, doing something, whatever this day is, just exactly as it is, um, gives me some opportunity to, um, to engage with it um, without, you know, getting, getting lost in the evaluation, because for me, if I get lost in the evaluation that this is actually just a bad day, um, it becomes under the covers with Netflix. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then, then it's just a day. Right. So thank you for, for helping to remember that. Yeah.
1: Um, uh, every day is a, a good day, has a, uh, a close cousin in, in uh, Suzuki Roshi's remark that just to be alive is enough. And that, that's, uh, in a way, kind of the essence of Zazen. You know, just, just to be alive is enough. And uh, maybe that's a long interval, or maybe it's not. But uh, uh, you know, to live meaningfully is, is at least to have the intention to appreciate each moment of life. can express that intention by some of these little gestures I was talking about. That's one way in many ways. Uh, Hokaisan has a hand.
3: Yes, thanks for your talk. Um, this might be a little bit off topic, but I'm you know, meditating on emptiness, and I'm wondering about the, the point of spiritual bypass, because yesterday I was thinking about it and getting a break from my sense of self wrapped up in you know, doubt or fear or anxiety and and seeing things as interconnected and that I am part of this whole thing that's happening in the world. And getting, getting a, it gave me a break from the sense of this, the small self, but then coming back. So I'm wondering, is that a spiritual bypass or is that a way to have a break or is that a good way to have the mind Uh, Switch like that for a minute. Do you have an opinion on that?
1: Um, I think as long as we avoid the temptation to reify that in some unnecessary way, it's fine. Um, uh, Contemplating emptiness is um, an an ancient and revered uh, Buddhist practice. So there's certainly nothing wrong with that but uh, we should spare some little attention to make sure that we're not um, moving at all in the direction of reification. Uh, for instance, emptiness is a thing or emptiness is a place we can go to, et Those are Those are sort of uh, pitfalls. But if we're uh, sensitive to that uh, dimension, then it's uh, perfectly fine to, uh, as you say, take a break. And in a sense, a zazen is always a break,
3: even if it doesn't feel like one. And then I guess my follow up would be like, when I start contemplating emptiness and I get too far out there, it starts to get shaky and scary because I feel like, well, there's nothing that's actually my thought or anything that I'm doing. And, I start to get a little shaky. Mm -hmm. And so the way I balance that is I come back (laughs) to the self. Yeah. Yeah. Is that what you mean?
1: Yeah, I know the feeling you're talking about, but uh, I I would say that um, our habitual sense of self is in no danger. (laughs) Wouldn't it be nice if we could just sort of, uh, uh, you know, uh, weaken it deliberately and, and um, uh, squash it into something small that we can dispose of, but that's not really possible. So uh, if, you, know, if you're, you feel like you're getting shaky, well then that's fine, just be shaky, but you're in no danger, okay. alas. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, looks like Tendo-san has a hand. Thank you for your talk, you know. um, Welcome. Quick question. So, a lot of these things I would um, describe as rituals. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of things in the practice space or a temple space uh, which are rituals, which I very much appreciate. Uh, and with regard to these own personal rituals, I was curious to hear a little bit about your organic process of how they came up or what inspired you or sort of the kind of the, the arc of where that kind of comes in since it's not something presented
2: mm-hmm.
1: to one, say by a, a teacher or a teaching or a school. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's yeah. Um, well, I'm, I have to think back quite a ways, I think uh, maybe my first winter at Tasahara when uh, Tiknat Hanh came to visit at the invitation of the then abbot, and uh, I think he introduced this notion of um, a kind of uh, ornamenting the practice day with these gatha recitations, and so during that Ango uh, we we all wrote some and made a kind of collection of it, which then I think vanished into the library at Tasahara where it has been ever since. So, but that I think got me kind of moving in that direction. Uh, so uh, now I uh, see, I have a gatha for waking in the morning, um, gatha before eating uh, the gatha for bedtime, and then for the morning offerings like this. Those are the ones that I've used pretty much ever since. Uh, and um, I guess, uh, you know, if there was an inspiration there, it's, it's kind of ongoing. Uh, the, the morning little morning offerings that I mentioned, I'm actually supposed to do that without fail every day uh, as uh, uh, someone uh, who has uh, received Dharma transmission in the Soto tradition, I'm, I'm supposed to do that every day. And so each day I don't, I kick myself a bit, but anyway, each day I try, let's put it that way. So there is that um, uh, sense of having, taking on that uh, responsibility with the uh, Dharma transmission. And, uh, there's actually a whole kind of a little morning service that one is supposed to do, which I rarely do. At
0: least don't tell my teacher. Just a note for anybody who's um, looking to think about that a little more, there's a little book um, called Zen Vows for Daily Life by Robert Aiken um, with a foreword by Thich Nhat Hanh. Available on Amazon. Zen Vows for Daily Life. Are there verses and stuff in there, Steven? One example, that, one example that I like for me, when I'm left with nothing to say, I vow with all beings to rest content in the knowledge that there really is nothing to say. <laughs> oh, uh, Cheryl Son has a hand.
3: Um,
1: it's maybe slightly off topic, but uh, Stephen's mention of
3: Amazon reminded me that our local bookstores are really suffering Um, particularly Dog Eared and Alley Cat. And you can actually go to their websites and be linked over to bookshop.org, which will help support them. It might cost a dollar more and take a day longer, but
1: um, when this is over, we might still have bookshops in our neighborhood, which
3: I think is important. Mm -hmm. So my little plug for local businesses.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, A lot of local businesses are in serious trouble I'm sorry to say. Well, maybe that will do for now. I don't see any other hands. Uh, It's uh, not quite 1030 on a Saturday. There's uh, plenty of weekend. To uh, spend meaningfully. Um, you know, please, uh, please take care of yourselves and, and one another, and, and uh, don't, don't, uh, don't waste too much time doubting that we, we all meet in the heart, because I really think that's true. realizing that, making that real, oops, I went away. Well, anyway, making that real uh, will be uh, helped by, as I said, uh, uh, watching for the, the contrary assumption, namely that we're all separate and isolated and uh, letting that disperse like mist.